Let's pray and we'll get right into our message today, which is called The Power of Gratitude. Dear God, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to gather here together and worship you. It's something that we take for granted, but for many of us, it's a little miracle in itself, just getting to this space through all of the distraction and clutter and busyness and craziness and garbage that seems to fill our lives up. Here we are, not to hear from me, but to hear from you, to hear your voice speak through your word to our souls. And I don't know what everybody here needs this morning, but you do. And so I ask in spite of me, in spite of my message, that you would just move in everybody here. That you'd encourage those who need encouragement, that you'd strengthen those who need strength, that you would give hope to the hopeless, that you would just do your thing in our hearts and lives this morning. We're so thankful for these moments where we get to open up your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So welcome 930. We're so glad that you are here. And welcome all our friends and family in Tremont. It's so cool to to have you guys joining us this morning as well. Uh, Man, this is the first time I've preached um, this Sunday after Thanksgiving in quite some time. Um, I'm pumped to be doing it. I realized, man, like I, have, I haven't preached a sermon on gratitude in quite some time, and it's such an important thing. If you don't know or you're just popping in this Sunday, we've been walking through this little mini-series before we get to some really cool Christmas stuff. It's called The Power Of. Last week, we talked about the power of generosity, and the challenge was to think differently about generosity and to think differently about money. And now we don't talk about money a lot here in church. It's just not our thing. We know that there's a lot of baggage and mistrust and people have manipulated you when it comes to the faith and money kind of talk. There's a lot of really bad teaching out there. And uh, so hopefully last week was some good teaching on kind of the theology of and the power of living a generous life. Now, I don't know if you're on this whole thing yet, but to challenge ourselves, we're doing like a 10 for 10. Just give 10% more for 10 months and see what God does in your life and in your relationships and with that generosity. You don't have to do that here. You can do it anywhere. You can do it with the sweet little old lady that lives down your street that nobody's taking care of. If you don't trust church and you got a problem with that, that's okay. Just practice being more generous. Uh, Today, what we're talking about is the power of gratitude, such a Thanksgiving-ish weekend message, I know, but there's incredible power when we live lives of gratitude. I think that's why God instructs us to be gracious. I think that's why it's, it's something that he tells us to work towards, living a life full of gratitude. And today what I want to talk to you about is how not just to practice being grateful, I want to talk to you about being a a grateful person. We had Thanksgivings and my mom was always trying to like up the ante every time you gather. I gather, gather all the kids together. And so I was like a little bit older, 18, and we were up doing big family Thanksgiving together and sitting around the table. And my mom, who was, uh, you know, when you have four boys, 
you have to like take the moments that you have a captive audience. That's like, somebody called my sermons like a fine line between a sermon and a hostage situation. I really hope, <laughs> I really hope you don't feel like that this morning. But, um, you know, uh, my mom with four boys, she had, to, she had to take advantage of those moments where we were trapped and we couldn't get out to, to get what she wanted accomplished, accomplished. So she had this idea that she surprised us all with, uh, hungry teenage boys gathered around the Thanksgiving table. We would celebrate up in Tannersville, Pennsylvania, the Pocono Mountains, and kind of be in the middle of nowhere. So all we were thinking about is let's eat. Like, let's, let's eat. Let's just eat. What's taking so long? You said it was going to be done at two, and now it's four. How, why is that the thing? Is that like a thing we all talk about, but don't let people know about Thanksgiving? Like, let's just give them a two-hour window and <laughs> anyway uh, we get around the table and my mom all the food's out smelling delicious and we're ready to dig in and she goes wait 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 before we eat we're going to take these little cards that she passed around and these pens and we're all going to write down something that we're grateful for and then we're going to share it with everybody at the table and that seemed really lame to me I hated that idea. The food's right there. Like, I can smell it. I can taste it. It's right there. I don't want to take time to tell you what I'm grateful for right now. Can we do that later? Like, it felt forced. It felt like religious. Like, let's, let's do a little mini church service right before we eat. It felt like, it felt like disingenuous in the moment trying to come up with something when none of the boys were really feeling grateful at all because we weren't eating. I, I hated that little exercise, but mom was right. Gratitude is something that is easily, moms are always right, by the way. Gratitude is something that is easily passed by. You, you can miss a moment to be grateful, to practice gratitude so easily. We do it all the time. We don't see all the things that we have to be grateful for, and that's why it's so easy to miss it, or we're absorbed in our own lives and agenda. That's why it's so easy to miss it. We're so quick to look to the next thing. That's why it's easy to miss it. We're so focused on what we need to do next. It's so easy to miss it. The moments where we can practice gratitude require a little bit of pause. And so we... We miss them all the time. And when we miss them, it's so easy to slip into ingratitude. Because we aren't looking for things to be grateful for. And we miss the opportunity to show gratitude. So instead of just focusing on how to practice being grateful. What I thought we could do this morning is talk about what it means just to be a grateful person. How do you make gratitude not something that you do or not something that you just say? How do you make it who you actually are? Because I don't know if you got the memo or not, 
But ungrateful people are lame. <laughs> Do you know ungrateful people? <laughs> Maybe you are the ungrateful person. Please don't poke anybody sitting in your row and be like, you need to listen up right now. He's talking to you. <laughs> you. That doesn't work. Do you know anybody ungrateful? Ungrateful people tend to focus on the negative more so than anything else. They can pick it out. They can not only pick out the negative thing about the table setting or the way the food was cooked, they can pick out the negative thing about you. <laughs> and the ungrateful people, they tend to be negative, they pick at things, They're, sometimes they have an inflated sense of self and if you can think of somebody who, has, who maybe is an ungrateful person, or if you can't think of somebody who is ungrateful, think of a moment somebody could have shown gratitude and didn't show gratitude, and ask yourself this, do you like them in that moment? Maybe you have to love them because you're related to them, or you're married to them, or they're your kid, or they're your parent, or they're your in-laws too soon. But do you really like ungrateful people? Don't they just seem, maybe you wouldn't express it, a little entitled, a little self-absorbed, a little busy? Ungrateful people focus on the negative and so their hearts tend to drift towards the negative stuff. And while misery loves company, they don't really need company because they're busy creating it themselves. On the other hand, grateful people are happier. So simple. There's a study done by Harvard. It was a positive psychology study that they did. And while some of that stuff is garbage, some of it's really good. And Harvard did this study and they found that people that practice gratitude, grateful people, they, are more po they have more positive emotions. They know how to relish in experiences and opportunities. They enjoy the moments they are in more than other people enjoy the moments they're in. You've, you've done this, right? Like you've ever taken a family on a hike and you can see this play out in real time right in front of you. There will be those people in your little family circle that can enjoy the beauty of Hawk Mountain views, and then, then you'll have people in your family who complain the whole time about the walk or how long the steps are or the peanut butter and jelly sandwich has too much jelly on it. Grateful people are, have more positive emotions. They relish and, and enjoy their experiences and their opportunities more. They have improved health. They deal with adversity better. And life is full of adversity. And they have stronger relationships. You see, ingratitude starts to drive a wedge in relationships. And gratitude is constantly repairing and strengthening the bond in your relationships. You can test that out too, right? Practice being more grateful to the person you love most in the world. Surprise them 
with some things about them that you're grateful for. Write it down if you have too much trouble expressing it verbally, although expressing it verbally is the way to go. And watch how practicing gratitude about another person that you care deeply about, stopping, pausing, focusing on the good things that you see in them, watch how that starts to strengthen the relationship, even in the midst of conflict, even in the midst of fighting and arguing, even when the tension is pretty high in the house. When you can focus on gratitude, you build stronger relationships. It shouldn't be a surprise because this is God's plan for how his children should live. He doesn't want his children to be nitpicking, to be pointing out all of the faults in everybody else all the time. He doesn't want his children to be absorbed in all the negative stuff, to be focused on all the deficiencies in us and in others. He, does. he wants his children to live lives of gratitude. Now, here's this really challenging passage. It says this in first, we're gonna stop in two scriptural places to talk about being a grateful person. The first one is in 1 Thessalonians chapter five and verse 16 through 18. It's just short, little three verses. Rejoice Rejoice always, seems pretty tough. That's verse 16, two words, pretty tough. Rejoice always, the rejoice part's easy without the always part put on the end of it. Rejoice always. Do Do you know this? Maybe you've heard this before. Pray continually. Maybe it was like, Mom has it on a plaque above the dining table for Thanksgiving, this, these verses. Pray continually. That seems easier to me because I'm so desperate for help, right? Like, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We want to think about God's will in terms of what am I supposed to do next? What decision am I supposed to make that'll lead me somewhere better? But really God's will is so much simpler than trying to figure out all the tough stuff and the hard decisions in life. And when you can practice actually living out God's will the way it's meant to be lived out, what God's will actually means stuff on the inside, then all those other decisions, they become so much easier. Listen, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. And I actually think that the rejoicing part and the praying part is directly connected to the gratitude part. It's it's really hard to rejoice if you can't see the little things in life that you have worth rejoicing over because you're so focused on the stress or the trouble in the moment. Give thanks in all circumstances. Here's point one. I got three things here on how to be a grateful person. You have to work for it. 
Gratitude is something that needs your focus, your attention, and your effort. That's why it's a command. It's a, it's a command from God in Scripture. It's not when you think of it, give thanks. When things go good, give thanks. It's a give thanks in all circumstances. I don't know what circumstances you got right now, but I'm guessing that not all of them are like roses and ice cream or root beer floats and candy. It's not all beautiful all the time. And my guess is that some of you got some pretty challenging circumstances. Maybe a relationship that is off center and it's just providing a little bit of conflict in your life. Maybe there's somebody you care deeply about that you're really worried about. Maybe things at the office have not been going good and you've been under a ton of pressure and the anxiety keeps ramping up and you dread going to your job in the morning. You just got to take so much energy and effort to get there and then when you get home, you take it out on all the people around you. Maybe it's been difficult sledding financially as you've realized that some of your decisions and investments have just like not been working out. I don't know what circumstances you have, but you have to work. It needs your attention and your effort to be grateful. I wonder if you could pause for a second and really zoom out and look at all that's been going on in that workplace or in that relationship. And I, I bet if you tried, you could find something. Maybe it's not as much as you hope. Maybe it's not as big as you would like it to be. But you could find something to be grateful for. Can you give that your attention? Could you give that some of your heart's focus? Because here's what I think will happen. If you can find, if you can work for and find things to be grateful for in any of those difficult type circumstances, you will find that the things that you are grateful for will swell. You'll see more and more and more. The negative things, they won't hold as much weight or power over you. You, you have to work for it. Here's two more things, because I'm, I'm going to rip these two things off, and then we're going to jump right into the next passage. But these two things are going to come out of this next passage. One, you, number two, you can't let moments to show gratitude pass you by. And number three, gratitude needs to be spoken. There's this story in Luke chapter 17 and verse 11 it's the story of 10 people with leprosy. And I don't know how much you know about leprosy in New Testament times. It's a skin disease. It can 
it can be language that represents a lot of skin diseases, but these people were treated not just as social outcasts because of the disease they had, it's very contagious, a lot of fear around it, but they were also considered spiritual outcasts because they didn't know where this disease came from, though they knew it was highly contagious. They would blame this disease on the individual's soul. Like, oh, they must have done something really bad for God to punish them, or their parents must have done something really bad, and this is God's punishment of the parents. What a twisted view of God and how he works, and a misunderstanding of God's character and how he engages with us in humanity, just a really jacked up view of God, but before I'm too harsh on it, sometimes we walk around and the car breaks down and we think God's punishing us for something. It's just a natural but faulty tendency of humankind to kind of blame stuff on God and the spiritual. These 10 people had leprosy, which means they probably lived together in a community away from people. They would be cut off from their friends and their family, their relationships. They'd be cut off from their workplace, their feeling like their purpose. They would just be living together and eking by. And we can learn later on in this passage that this was kind of like a mixed group. It was Jewish people and Samaritans, people that usually don't get along at all, gathered together in this group. And it's amazing how trouble and trauma will bring people together over things, silly things that divide us. But these 10 people were in caught Jesus as he's traveling along the border of Samaria, Samaria and Galilee, and he was going into a village, and the, the, these 10 men who had leprosy, they kind of started to approach Jesus, and it says in Scripture in verse 13 that they stood at a distance, and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. What's super interesting about this is that word master is something that, till this point, is mostly used by people who were actually already following Jesus. His disciples, his followers, the, the Peter, the James, John. These, these were the people that called him master. They, they had heard some stories, evidently, about Jesus. His reputation had preceded him. And so here as they see this man approaching, the, the stories come flooding back of how this Jesus was different than other prophets. This Jesus was different than other teachers. This Jesus could be the coming Messiah because he had healed the blind. He had made the lame to walk. He had done some spectacular things. So they call out, Master. They didn't really know who he was, but they were expressing some beautiful hope. Maybe this Jesus could do for us what he had done for other people. Maybe this Jesus could actually heal us. Maybe this Jesus could restore our bodies and make us clean. They start calling out and they're yelling, have pity on us. And Jesus saw them and he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. Now this is also pretty crazy because they had heard go a lot. <laughs> that would be like, go away. <laughs> Leave me alone. Go over there. Stay away from all of us. Jesus, he doesn't give much of a spiritual like pep talk here. 
You see, what all that a, a person with leprosy would have to do to be restored into relationships, to be officially called cleansed, is they would have to go show themselves to the priest. The priest would uh, write them, uh, check them over, inspect them, see if they were healed for, for real, and then you know, give them everything they needed to get back into life. Go show yourselves to the priests. <laughs> nothing fancy, nothing beautiful, nothing amazing in that statement. But they had a choice to trust and follow or not. And here, quite clearly, all 10 of these People with leprosy made a decision to, to individually to trust Jesus and to follow him. And so it says that they started going back to see the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. We want to be cleansed first. We want to see what God can do for us right now. We miss that there is so much more that he does for us when we decide to trust him and to follow him. The beauty of our relationship with God is not that he comes in and fixes all of our problems after one prayer. It's that we learn a new way to be as we follow. And that in following him, we, we see the blessings in real time and in real life. They just go, this beautiful act. They're doing what's right but they're still about to miss the full blessing of what God wants to do in their life. What if you are doing what's right? You're following well. You took a step of faith, but you're still missing all of what God has for you. One, one of them, as he's heading back to see the priest, looks down and he sees that he's healed. And he comes back. It's a little risky even. Here he takes a moment to stop traveling to where Jesus told him to travel. He pauses, he's looked, and they probably were all grateful if you would have caught them on the road. When they got back to their families, they were probably all really grateful on the inside, but gratitude is something that needs to be acknowledged and expressed. One of them, he comes back and he praises God and he throws himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And it mentions here that he was a Samaritan. He, he stopped and he thanked him. Now Jesus' response to this is incredible. He, he looks at him and he says, we're not all 10 cleansed? I'm pretty sure Jesus knew all 10 were cleansed. Where are the other nine? <laughs> he says to this one in front of him. I'm pretty sure Jesus knew where the other nine were. Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this 
foreigner? You see, Jesus is making a rhetorical point that comes through the ages and landed so hard on me this last week as I was studying this. He, he looks then and he says to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. You see, what Jesus was expressing here was that something's missing when gratitude is not acknowledged and expressed. Maybe you're a very grateful person, but you're shy about it. Something's missing. Maybe you're, a, maybe you're thankful for this past week. I don't know, you had some good turkey. You got the family together. Nobody was fighting over anything. And, and you're like, I'm... you see, something is missing when gratitude is not expressed. How incredible it was for that one to have this special moment with Jesus. This beautiful interaction as because he, he, he stopped and paused long enough to acknowledge what he was grateful for and to express it to the one who deserved the thanks. Sometimes you gotta work for it to close the loop of gratitude in your life. Sometimes you want, you have, to, you have to pause and slow down and not let a moment pass you by because you're, you're, you're too busy and need to get to the next thing. Sometimes we need to work at learning how to express gratitude better to each other even if we don't like talking about emotional things. Even if it feels safer just to say, well, I'm grateful on the inside. When gratitude is not an ex expressed, it, it goes off, it comes across as ingratitude. And the, lepen, the, the, the lessons of the 10 men with leprosy land hard on me because I have to ask myself, am I seeing the things that God has placed in my life that he has given me to be grateful for? Am I too busy, going too fast to, to acknowledge what I'm grateful for? And then am I closing the loop by expressing it to the people that need to hear it from me? Be the most grateful person in your circles. You'll experience all kinds of great things by design from God. You'll experience more positive feelings. You'll experience being able to enjoy the moments God has placed you in so much more. You'll experience strengthened relationships, all that other stuff. You'll, you'll handle adversity better. But more importantly, you'll get to experience just this incredible part of your relationship with God as you follow him and being a grateful person. Make it who you are. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for all the things that you've done in our lives. It, maybe right now we could just think of something to be grateful for. Maybe something we passed by this morning in a rush to get to church. Maybe it's something that we forgot to say in the busyness of preparing 
Thanksgiving meal or cleaning up Thanksgiving dishes. Maybe it got lost in all the noise of Black Friday and cyber whatever, you know, this nonsense is. What do you have to be grateful for? It's not enough just to know it in your heart. Gratitude is something that has to be expressed. God, we're thankful for the cross, for the empty tomb, for all the little blessings that you place in our life, all the things that go so often overlooked. We're grateful for the breath in our lungs, for the people that you have placed us in relationships with. We're grateful for this opportunity to worship. Most of all, we are just grateful for who you are. Help us as your children learn to be not just grateful about a thing. Teach us how to be grateful as people. That we would practice it out of the depth of who we are, knowing that you have blessed us with so, so much. In Jesus' name, amen.